0: We'll look at it today from a biblical perspective, the following session we'll look at it from a practical perspective, and then we're going to look at engaging in authentic partnerships. So uh, in terms of the role of a discipler as teaching a pattern, uh, what does that look like? Hello and welcome again to another session in our teaching series that we've titled band of disciples, band of disciples. And our heart and our purpose out of this whole series is to help equip you with biblical and practical strategies so that you can get better at discipling people. It's my assumption that the reason why you are uh, engaging with us in this series is because you are prompted by Christ to invest in discipling relationships. You are prompted by God to, uh, you know, follow the movement of Jesus that He began 2,000 odd years ago. And you just uh, exploring ideas and insights as how you can do this better and better. So it's our privilege and honor to have you with us. We had uh, divided this whole series into uh, three categories, mini series if you like. And we have been looking at the discipling calling for uh, several sessions. This is, uh, I believe, our uh, eighth session where we're looking at the role of the discipler. What is the role of the discipler? And today we're going to uh, you know, continue our discussions of the uh, three main categories. The first one we talked about was modeling a possibility, exemplifying what it's like to live like Jesus, showing uh, that uh, description, a portrait of what the future could look like for people who become a certain type of persons in the world. And uh, we, we we discussed that uh, from the scripture and practically over the last couple of sessions. And today we're going to look at teaching a pattern and um, and we'll look at it from a practical perspective. The next session we'll look at it from, uh, sorry, we'll look at it today from a biblical perspective. The following session we'll look at it from a practical perspective and then we're going to uh, look at engaging in authentic partnerships. So uh, in terms of the role of a Discipler as teaching a pattern, uh, what does that look like? like what does that look like and I understand because of our um, experiences particularly in the Western world we associate the idea of teaching with somebody standing in front of a classroom uh, a lecture theater on a podium and and just talking at people right we we envisage that teaching uh, like when we talk about Jesus being a teacher uh, we, we we think of him standing on a Stage with a microphone, you know, speaking all these golden words that people are madly writing as he is talking, and then they take, you know. Uh, memorable one-liners and and shooting them through the social media, um, you know, channels and getting a viral following as a result. Uh, but you know, teaching is not necessarily all about disseminating uh, information to people who are empty-minded, and we put you know information in them, and that will change the way they are. Uh, teaching is greater than that, and there is uh, uh, you know, real-life examples that you have noticed yourself in which people learn not merely by some sort of uh, you know um, transmission of knowledge but they learn in far more practical and, and earthly ways than that you know uh, you probably if if you had a um, you know a relative or a child who was young and you saw them uh, you know learn how to walk or learn how to speak or or learn how to look after themselves in one way or another or look after or or if they engage in in some hobbies, it doesn't come as a result of somebody standing over them and reading them a book or sending them a podcast. It doesn't happen. We are not just rational beings who are waiting to be indoctrinated by some expert who tells us how to live our lives. And that can be so obvious in the way we look at bands and we look at how our Uh, musicians learn or actors perform, we understand in the creative arena that knowledge uh, is not everything. We're not undermining knowledge, but we need to skew a little bit away from this whole emphasis on propositional knowledge and uh, and transmission of information uh, because it's been such a focus for so many decades that we need to balance ourselves out. And uh, I remember, and you probably would remember times where you observed some, uh, even, even students who are in school presentation nights or, or musicals, school music, musicals or whatever it is if uh, if you have seen any of these experiences you're bewildered you think how on earth does young people are performing at such high capacity. It's just, I, I know, you know, many parents go to the school presentations and they're like, uh, they're just waiting for their child to, you know, to get an award and they run after and they're bored uh, to tears. But but you know what? I, 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 you know, I've I've watched many of those presentation nights and when the kids play the instruments, it's just amazing. And, and I'm wondering what class helped them with that. <laughs> <laughs> what book did they read? Because I want that book. I, I, I want to learn the proficiency by which they are performing. It's crazy. They're such young people and so incredibly capable. But you and I know that kids learn, don't learn music. Uh, students don't learn to be musicians by merely reading books. It's not that they sat through a class and and were taught, you know, this is what it means to be a, a, a muser. This is the history of, of, of musicians. Uh, you know, no, they learn by repeatedly doing music in a supportive social context. They learn to be musicians because they they have a desire to be musicians, and that's what we talked about previously, but then to actualize that desire, that that future self, they actually repeatedly do something in a social context. Sure, in that social context, there may be a teacher that uh, gives them constructive feedback and helps them. You know what? No, you need to read that note in this particular way. You need to strum that in a particular way. Now, how about you try this again? So there is resources, whether it's their peers or, uh, or an expert in, Instructor, or or some books, or maybe they go home and they watch some YouTube videos and and learn some tricks and in 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 the way they can improve uh, um, their craft. But it's not just reading about, uh, you know. Uh, the 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 music that makes them great musicians there is knowing but this primarily doing that facilitates the knowing and if you have ever thought that jesus was simply a teacher who who just uh, you know spoke at people all day long you probably didn't necessarily examine uh, the biography of jesus with a teacher perspective but if you go back i think it's so simplistic uh, in fact it makes be so intuitive to you as I say this it's not you know it's not a, a real revelation but Jesus taught in diversity of ways he was the greatest teacher the world has ever seen the greatest communicator the world has ever seen and it wasn't because he was a great preacher who just spoke at people all day long he shared stories And at the end of his stories, he would ask people questions so that they can place themselves in the story. He shared stories where people were infuriated. You know, when he shared about in in Luke 15 about that prodigal son, the Jewish people would have been so mad with what he was proposing about the acceptance of that prodigal son and the way the father treated that son. and, And they would have noticed that that older brother probably had and, uh, and inference to their religious system and and their way of being religious people, and and they would have been inferiorated. Jesus had the art of telling story well, stories where people found themselves in the narrative and they had to deal with it. It wasn't about information. It was about interacting with that narrative and having the capacity to go either way. You know, in the movies we say the windy corridor, they lead you from the very start and you don't know which way they're going to go. And Jesus enabled people the freedom to choose where to place themselves in the narrative and how that narrative is going to implicate their life thereafter. It was about the Personhood, not just about their information, but also Jesus did sermons. You know, the Sermon on the Mount is widely known that it was a a, a repeated theme, a repeated sermon that Jesus uh, would teach over and over and over again. You know, it wasn't just shared once, and Matthew wrote it like crazy. We notice that in the different uh, records, um, the, the, the Gospels, we see uh, littered with with concepts from and teachings. And, and instructions from the Sermon on the Mount, which suggests to some scholars that Jesus must have been able to share that over time. Uh, simply uh, sharing instructions once, um, nobody will get that, right? So it's okay to share some teachings of the Scripture. And to do that in a way that intersects with people's lives is not just a speculative type of, of, of information for people to muse on it. You know, Jesus' words was for action, for living. His instructions, you know, you can't, you can't do that with your neighbor. You can't interact that way with your brother. You can't think judgmentally of the, of, of, of someone in that way. You, you have to relate with purity with people. You got to uh, put yourself in, 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 a, in a secret place and interact with God. Be careful of hypocrisy. Can you see what Jesus taught was not just a pie in the sky type of knowledge that we can argue about and so. On oh, such and such day, uh, you know, this was spoken, and, and if you get down to the rock bottom of it, it's for, you know, it's like seriously, Jesus taught for actions, for a life. And even when you look at Paul's epistles, you know, he speaks of our positions in Christ, maybe in, you notice that pattern in his epistles. The first little bit of Romans, the first little bit of, of, of the book of Ephesians, or it's all, or Galatians, it's all about our positions in Christ. Our our privileges in Christ, the doctrine, but then it's followed by duty how to live your, you you know, what you believe, how to uh, walk worthy of the calling. So uh, it's not instructions for, um, you know, memorization and abstractions. It's about living a life that is worthy of the calling. And also, Jesus uh, brought people into uh, intersection with reality, He taught them in the experience of life. Life, uh, you know, he he didn't just invite them to know things; he invited them to learn in the action. He sent the disciples uh, two by two uh, in 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 a missionary endeavor, and to learn and come back and receive feedback and to debrief about it. You know, Jesus engaged people in action so that they can learn experientially, because we all learn from experience. Yes, we have a a, a vision. A, a a preferred image of what we can become, a certain type of people that we eventually becoming, and we will be that in glorification. But the way we learn today. To actualize uh, that reality, to live it out in in imperfect form is through life's experiences. We encounter a problem and we reflect on it and we decide a a plan of action and we experiment with that plan of action which eventually uh, directs the trajectory of our path and impacts the way we see ourselves and pursue our God-given Image. Jesus taught his disciples through life's experience. I just want to share with you uh, quickly one single incident where Jesus taught the most critical lesson. It was the highest theological lesson. It's about him as the Son of God. And he didn't teach it in a lecture theater, he didn't teach it in a Bible study, he didn't teach it in a podcast. He taught it. In the action. Do you want to know how he did it? Let's look together at Matthew chapter 14 verses 22 to 33. And this is what it says. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side of the lake while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed the crowd, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone and the boat, the, the boat where the disciples are on it was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. I want to just bring your attention to two words. Number one, the word made. Jesus made his disciples get into the boat without him and to cross to the other side of the lake. Was Jesus aware of what was awaiting his disciples? The waves, the storm, the challenges that they're going to face, of course he was going to be aware of that before it happened. He knew what people were thinking about before even uttering it. <laughs> he knew it was a learning experience. They were going to be changed and learn the greatest theological lesson The biggest theological lesson they were going to learn in this experience in the water. Is it any wonder that he went to pray? He went to pray that they will have a revelation of the greatest theological concept that they could ever grasp. He went to pray because learning in our uh, discipling adventure is revealed by the Spirit who reveals the deep things of God. Illuminates our mind to receive. It's not just a, a secular learning. It's all experiential. It's experiential anointed by the Spirit. So it's revelation in the experience. But I want to bring to your attention to another word. He says that Jesus sent him, uh, sent the disciples whilst he dismissed the crowd, and it was a, a miracle, a big miracle that Jesus had uh, accomplished just before then, and it was the best platform for Jesus to teach on this theological concept and the reality of his identity and deity. If there was a time where the disciples would have been so open to hearing Jesus lecture on the- theology 101 the doctrine of God the doctrine of the incarnation the doctrine of the son of God it would have been this opportunity they've been blown away by Jesus capacity in that miracle the crowds were there they were buzzing you tell me whatever you want to say Jesus i am with you 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 have you know you have mesmerized us but Jesus says no i'm not going to talk it over I'm going to show them what it's like. So they are in that storm. They petrified and shortly before dawn. So Jesus left them for a while, I'd imagine. Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. Wouldn't you? Have you ever been in in, in in an ocean or in the sea or, uh, you, you know, somewhere. Uh, uh, what would you feel if you notice somebody's walking on the water? You're either going to close your eyes and open it again to see what's, you know, the hallucination that you're going through. <laughs> or you might be um, maybe wetting your pants. Uh, they said, it's a ghost, they said, because no human being walks on water. And they cried out in Fear. That's an understatement. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Yes, Jesus. I I get you. Take courage. We're dying right here. We are are petrified and you're telling me, Take courage and don't be afraid. That doesn't make sense. You know, they all probably had their heart in their socks. Um, But look at Peter, the mad guy. He says, Lord, if... It's you. Tell me to come to you on the water. He's definitely had too much to drink. He says, Peter replied, Tell me to come to you on the water. And crazily, Jesus says to him, Well, come. He didn't say, let me think about it. I need to go back and pray on top of the mountain to see whether you can do it. (laughs) He says, come. Have you ever wondered? Why did Jesus uh why did Peter ask Jesus to command him to walk on water? Like it's absurd. Sometimes we take it for granted, but why would Peter, who is petrified that someone else is walking on water, says, "Help me to walk on water." You know, back in the day where they have all these jokes about the uh, the, the type of people who would Tie a rope on one side of the river, you uh, know, high up on a pole, and tie the other, uh, the, the other side of the rope on another pole on the other side of the river, and and they walk on it. And the crowd cheers and says, "Wow, this guy is crazy! How on earth can he walk on that rope on top of the water? What if he falls? But his his balance is ridiculous. And then that magician would go down and would pick up a um, you know a heavy object. You know, and walk across the rope, across the river on top on the rope, and says, and the, everybody's saying, "You are amazing." And 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 the guy would say to the crowd, "Do you think I can walk again on that rope above the water?" I say, "Yeah, yeah, we believe in you." He says, "Do you think I can carry this heavy object and 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 run there?" I say, "Yes, yes, we believe you." They said, "Okay, would anybody?" like me to carry them on on my shoulder and walk back. And I said, no (laughs) way. You're fine, mate, if you're going to fall. We can, we can probably take a nice uh, you know, picture of that uh, you know, uh, funniest home movies and we we'll can put it on Instagram or, or something and get a lot of followers out of it. <laughs> but me with you, not a, not a chance. But Peter is saying, I am willing to take the risk. You know why? Because Peter saw in Jesus his mirror. Peter looked at Jesus and said, that's what I'm capable of being. You know why? Because back in the day, a disciple didn't just like his rabbi. He wanted to be like his rabbi. They knew that they, whatever the rabbi did, they were able to do as well. You know, they learned to live the certain type of life, which is the rabbi type of life. So here, the first thing that Jesus had in mind, and I'll repeat this over and over and over again for you so we can get it, that he helped Peter see what Peter could become. Jesus was the mirror that reflected back to Peter his potential, uh, uh, you know, way of being. The certain type of person Peter can become. The image of the future. And Peter loved it and embraced it and wanted to to be that but sadly it says when Peter got down out of the boat walked on the water which is ridiculous and came toward Jesus says but when he saw the wind he was afraid and beginning to sink he cried out Lord save me Whoa! So he's going toward a vision of the future, of walking on the water, and he has this experience that interrupts the flow. He's, he's, he's thinking, oh my goodness, I can't possibly be doing that. I'm going to fall. There is a threat. This is this is a, you know, abnormal. Where is the laws of gravity? I've never seen anybody do that before. I'm not competent. He has this experience, a disjuncture, a, a, a dilemma, a problem that he encounters, and here he begins to learn by sinking, not by thinking. We are all about learning by thinking, that's cheap learning. But Peter began to learn by sinking in the water experientially he had to encounter an experience in the presence of Jesus so that he can learn from it so we all encounter experiences that we are uh, that's available for us to learn from it and to impact the way we are and how do we do that it's not just Jesus enabled him to have that experience but look after Jesus picks him up it says immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught Peter. You of little faith, Jesus said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped Jesus saying, truly, 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 you are the son of God. Wow. So Jesus shows Peter what he could be. Peter's pursuing that vision and everything is, you know, uh, nice and beautiful until he experiences this sinking, uh, uh, you know, feeling. He is he, about to perish. He's like he's petrified, about to drown. Jesus picks him up after this experience and he asks him, Why did you doubt Peter? And I, I know many, many, many people speak about this passage and, and say, you know, Jesus was so disappointed with Peter. Why did you doubt Peter? He's rebuking him. I don't see it that way. I see that Jesus was helping Peter reflect and saying, you know, I want you to think about what are your assumptions. Think about what actually happened before you began to th- to sink. Uh, see what actually was changing in your mind. And Peter would say, Yeah, I, I, I you know what? Um, I began to think that it's not that it's not natural. It's not normal for humans to walk on water. Um, I began to see my incompetency. That that's not that that's not going to end well. Uh, I, I forgot about who you might be. You could walk on water, but could you enable me to walk on water? Because if I could think about that, I'm going to conclude that you're God, that you, you're not normal, <laughs> that you're not just magician that you can walk on water, but you can make me walk on water. and And that's where potentially... In two chapters later, Jesus says to Peter, when Peter uh, confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, Jesus says to him, you weren't aware of that because you're smart. Not because you read a book. Not because you saw a post. Not because you heard a good sermon. My father revealed that to you. When did his father reveal that to Peter? Maybe here. Maybe on the water as they were walking hand in hand back to the boat, because he walked on water again to get back to the boat. <laughs> he didn't have a, a flight back to the boat. He walked back on the water and and it, whilst they're walking together, maybe hand in hand, he says, This is nothing but God in the flesh. You are the son of God. And have you noticed that when they got back in the boat, it wasn't just Peter who recognized Jesus's identity. It says, then those, that's prouler, those who were in the boat, the other disciples who were sent on their way to learn in that uh, stormy night, they worshiped Jesus. And they said, you are the son of God. Of God. Their learning was social. Their learning was collaborative. The learning started with uh, Jesus showing Peter and the other disciples who they could be then it it was uh, actualized in the way they experienced life and reflected on these experiences together and reached to the ultimate dream of the most profound theological insight because those disciples were oblivious to who Jesus was, but that was a defining moment in their life as disciples. And we all, after seeing who we are, we could, um, you know, we all have a desired, uh, you know, outcome that we want to be. And we drive, you know, automatically towards an end, sometimes unconsciously, sometimes, uh, you know, pre-rationally. Uh, But when we have an experience, we begin to think about what's going on in our lives and that helps us to uh, plan the future. There are so many different theories, experiential learning theories that help us understand that. And one of them is known as transformative learning. And it speaks about we learn as we go through concrete experience. And, and we see what's happening to us. Uh, and Then we take that experience and we'll reflect on it with observation. There is reflective observation where we begin to say, what did I experience? Like what was going on on that water? Why did I sink? what were my assumptions and then we get into abstract conceptualization where we where we actually come up with a a conclusion so to speak you know Peter says well I obviously didn't think that he was God Uh, the assumption was I was going to perish and drown but if if I if he could make me walk on water he is the son of God you make an assumption that is based on your experiences and the revelation of the spirit and then you actively experiment with that. Uh, so I actually go ahead and live out what I have believed. So uh, we we notice in, in this little experience that Jesus taught us some principles uh, in his teaching. He taught us that in order to teach people, it needs to be active It needs to be experiential, that is, that we embark on the learning. It needs to be collaborative in a social environment. And it needs to help us reflect on what's actually going on in our experiences and determine the the course of action that we'll take as a result. I will take those exact three uh, principles and help uh, make them practical for you as you teach others the pattern of, uh, of of living like Jesus in the world in the next session. Thank you so much for being with us. May God bless you and honor your commitment to multiply Jesus like disciples wherever you may be. We so look forward to being with you in the next session. Until then, be utterly blessed.